0: Hello, and welcome to the Unity Podcast. Tonight, we have with us Hillary Stone and Jessica Crutell from Mystic Mittens Paranormal Group based out of Detroit, Michigan. But before we bring Jessica and Hillary on, let's talk a little bit about Detroit. Detroit is the largest and most populous city in Michigan, and is the seat of Wayne County. The municipality of Detroit had a 2017 estimated population of 673,104, making it the 23rd most populous city in the United States and the metropolitan area known as Metro Detroit is home to 4.3 million people, making it the second largest in the Midwest after Chicago. Regarded as a major cultural center, Detroit is known for its contributions to music and as a repository for art, architecture, and design. Detroit and its neighboring Canadian city of Windsor are connected through a tunnel and the Ambassador Bridge, the busiest international crossing in North America. It is also best known as the center of the U.S. automobile industry and the big three auto manufacturers of General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler are all headquartered in Metro Detroit. It was founded in 1701 and then incorporated as a city in 1815. As the city expanded, a geometric street plan was developed by Augustus B. Woodward, featuring Grand Boulevards, as seen in Paris, France. Detroit's darkest moments can still be felt in its structural bones that were established in 1701. With the high concentration of abandoned buildings in the Motor City, It is not surprising that many people encounter paranormal activity, and here are a few of those locations. The first is the Alhambra building built in 1898. It is said that a disgruntled employee poisoned over 40 families with arsenic. Fortunately, there are only two fatalities that are known as a result of this horrid act. It has been reported the presence of the poisoner can still be felt. Word to the wise though, don't eat or drink in or around this building. It has also been said that a strong disposition is required by those who choose to dine at our next location, the Cadeau Cafe. Why? Well, because there are regular reports of its patrons of all sorts of paranormal activity happening here, including items suddenly moving by themselves, terrifying apparitions sitting at the bar, and being touched by unseen hands. One of the most haunted places in Detroit is The Whitney, a well-known residence that has been transformed into a restaurant. The Whitney was originally built by a local lumber tycoon sometime in the late 19th century. Visitors regularly report seeing apparitions, strange unexplained shadows in the restaurant, dishes clanging when no one is around, and place settings being rearranged. Reports of the hauntings here span over three decades, and there are claims of a non-human entity residing here. Detroit's Masonic Temple is certainly considered to be one of the most haunted buildings in the city as well. In fact, it is often described as being something of a playground for spirits. It was built in 1912 and is packed full of hidden rooms and secret staircases. No matter what type of paranormal phenomenon you can think of, there's a very good chance that it's been experienced here. There have been lots of reports of paranormal activity in the building, including everything from doors slamming by themselves and visitors being touched by icy, unseen hands. Now, help me welcome to the Paranunity Podcast jessica crutell and hillary stone for a first-hand look at some great haunted locations and some insight into the science of paranormal investigations used in detroit michigan hillary jessica how are you ladies doing tonight
1: we're doing great how about you
0: i'm doing good i'm really glad you're able to be on the show us
1: too we're excited to be here this will be fun
0: it will be. So I'm going to start with you, Jessica, because I have something a little special for Hillary here in a couple minutes. Um, <laughs> Jessica, what got you started or interested in the paranormal?
2: Um, I've always been interested in it ever since I was a child. I grew up watching, you know, Ghost Hunters on, on sci-fi and... Um, and it's always fascinated me. And my grandmother was a firm believer in all things spooky, um, from everything from aliens and UFOs to ghosts. So, um, and she was my uh, she was my my inspiration in life. So, it was one of those things where if, if Grandma says it's true, it's true. So, and um, and I've had just personal experiences that I wasn't even looking for paranormal, and I'm seeing things and experiencing things. So, I know in my heart that it's true, and I like being able to capture that and try to hopefully change others' minds on it. And I think it's also important to try to make it, and we're getting there, we're getting there, but to try to make it more normal and less paranormal. Um, A lot of people are still kind of uncomfortable with the idea or talking about it openly and publicly. And I think that's a barrier that I personally want to try to break. And I think um, Ms. Stigma and Paranormal Group is a good outlet and opportunity for us to do that.
0: Absolutely. Well, Hillary, uh, like I said, I had something special for you. I wanted to kind of separate you out a little bit because I know you're a medium, and I haven't had a medium on the show yet, and I've always wanted to kind of pick the brain of one, I guess you could say. So,
1: yeah. up, I'm ready.
0: Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first off, let's find out what got you interested in the paranormal, and then we'll go from there, and we'll talk about how you realized that you're you had the powers of being a medium.
1: Sure. So, I mean, paranormal to a certain extent, I guess, uh, has been – my life is paranormal, I suppose, in that it's – these things have been um, spirits and kind of the idea that um, it's normal to have relationships or communicate with our loved ones who have passed on Um, was kind of normalized to a certain degree when I was young. I was one of those kids who liked to spend a lot of time outside making potions out of leaves and sticks and stuff in the woods. So I was very, like, you know – hippy-dippy nature kid right from the get-go. And, and um you know, I don't remember being super outwardly conscious of, like, oh, these things are happening, but I was very open about speaking about them, and that made me super weird in school. <laughs> but I made friends really easily, so that it was okay. But so when I became a teenager, things really changed for me, and I think there's, you know, a certain degree of, like, you know, hormonal, you know, element to it potentially, but the relationship that I had with like the, you know, spirit world really seemed to shift. I had a very hard time sleeping when I was a kid, which is very common with, um, a lot of people who um, see things like I do or experience things like I do. Um, and it was very menacing at first, um, not so bad as like, you know, anything demonic or anything like that, but I didn't know what was happening. And and even though this was a normal idea to a certain degree in my family, um, I didn't really have anyone to talk about it because there was like other kids in the family who were better, like, or exhibiting more signs of like spiritual abilities or whatever. So it took me a little while, but it it it's it's been part of my life um since I was a teenager, and A couple years ago, I got really into spirit boxes and consciously knew I wanted to meet somebody and work on starting a group with them. And Jessica and I got together and um, I kind of stopped doing all of these experiments by myself and, you know, doing these communication experiments. And um, I'd been doing readings, too, for a while, too, for people. And we started kind of providing a service together and combining the way she sees things and the way that I see things and kind of working together.
0: Okay. So you were saying that around being a teenager is kind of when you started really kind of noticing this. Are you the only one in your family that has this ability or?
1: Nope. (laughs) So I have an aunt um, who um, I haven't talked to in a while, but she uh, was reading tarot cards professionally for a while. And we all knew that she saw spirits like that was a normal idea in my family since I was a child. And um, one of the first spirits that I had any like consistent communication with when I was a teenager so right around that time I'm talking about she was the one to point him out initially and we had had like an antique it was oh god it was some kind of like fountain pen case or something something that belonged on someone's desk and she didn't know we had this it was stored in in my father's office and she said you guys know you have a ghost in your house and we're like um okay okay and I knew that because I had been smelling his pipe tobacco for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks and didn't know why or where it was coming from. But she walked into the closet in the office, pulled out this box, and there was a false bottom in it, which none of us knew. And it had these, this you know, important documents of this man. And his name was George. And it was like this connection of, oh, that's this guy. So the family, like, adopted this ghost, right? So we called the room that he was in George's room, and everyone talked to, you know about him like he was a roommate. <laughs> and But she was the one who kind of brought that to our attention. But I think, you know, my grandmother, my mother's mother doesn't really talk about having any abilities what she she does she wonders where it comes from for all of us but I know her mother um I have a talking board that was her so she was interested in like palm reading and things like that too so I think it goes back a bit
0: okay so you you said you go out you met Jessica you found your way of making your services to help everybody how long have you guys been investigating I mean either individually or as a team
1: so as a team we're this is our second active year so our first year one year anniversary was back in February Mm -hmm. and Jessica has been on well let's speak for each other for a moment here (laughs) Jessica has been on a lot of like she went on special vacations so she's done a lot of like peripheral investigations and visited a ton of haunted locations she's seen Robert the doll in person and like so I think you're. I would count some of that in too with your investigation.
2: Yeah, I was. Um, I started doing investigations with my friends while I was still in high school. While I was like sophomore, junior year of high school. So, um, so it's been just over a decade, for me. But actively pursuing it and making it happen on a regular basis definitely has definitely picked up. Um, since Hillary and I, have started this uh, just over a year ago. So and I've been, you know, it's it's hard to tell when it all started, yeah. but very
1: <laughs> I started taking what we or what I was doing very seriously as far as like ITC goes, probably about three ish years ago, and that was I got really into radios. My grandfather was very much into radios too, and he taught me how to build a crystal radio when I was a little kid, and I think that's where it started. And so then spirit boxes were a natural evolution, and then that was kind of when I started taking it seriously.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about those. Uh the radios with the crystals with them like where they're with the tubes and everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seems for whatever reason, like it's, you know, and even though I, you know, declare myself a medium, I'm still kind of like a skeptical ish person. I still think to a certain you're a logical person at least. And you wouldn't think that something like that would have such an, you know, an effect on that, but they do.
0: That is the most interesting thing I think I've ever heard. A medium that says, no, nah, I don't necessarily think so. Yeah. <laughs>
1: all the time too like uh, you know i get we we get people who are you know newer they want to come along with us and we have a blast with them so we have kind of like fun investigations that we do too and they're of course you know op- very optimistic and overeager and i find myself i'm like eh, guys that's the air eh, guys are yeah, you sure there's not absolutely. whatever so like sometimes i'm the most like hold on wait a minute person in the group too so i i defy the expectations a lot <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, well, like I said, you guys are based out of Detroit. You're actually in the metro area, correct? Correct. So tell me a little bit about the area, I mean, paranormal-wise. What, what's some good stuff we got going on up there?
2: So um, our land is really quite old, and um, and it's exciting. One thing that is very helpful for us being in Michigan is the climate allows for documents, very old paper documents to still exist. So we're able to pull up maps from the 1800s and um, we still have access to all of these files, which is really helpful. But um, there seems to be a lot of couple, um, couple of really hot spots, if you would, um, in just our surrounding neighborhoods, um, which is really fascinating. But when you trace those documents back, you can see that that Whole plot of land belonged to this family back in this this day and age, and they were farmers, and um, so it's really interesting in that sense. And then obviously we have a lot of really old and historic buildings too, and um, and there, I feel like Detroit is a very passionate city, um, and that lingers around in the after uh, afterlife as well. Yeah. So um, so it's pretty interesting, but there's just so much here and. It could just, it can just go on. And I have books and books about different haunted locations in Michigan. And, uh, we're just really lucky and blessed to live in the state that we do. We have a lot to
1: heal from here too, though, to speak to the shadow element of all this too. And I think that really plays in. We have, you know, even going back to like the inception of the state, it's like, gray zone as far as a lot of morality of certain things that happened here. And, and regardless of what the opinions are today of those things, there's a lot of like residual energy from a lot of things. And even, I mean, up to the present, we still have a lot going on in our state. And so I think that all plays into the manifestation of so many of these, um, you know, reported haunted locations. And like we talk about like Eloise, like Eloise has such, I don't know if you're familiar, Eloise Asylum is um kind of one of the hot, that's like the trending mm-hmm. Detroit haunted location right now, and it was a. It had several different um, lifespans, I suppose. It was a tuberculosis unit at one point. Um, it was a poorhouse at one point too. Then it was kind of like a general, um, like a uh, kind of a dumping ground for the undesirables. The interesting thing I learned the other day was that the first lobotomies, like ever. Were performed in the tunnels of the bottom of Eloise and so I mean things like that going on you know and there's like these unmarked graves these giant mass that they just found so there's it's kind of the right climate the right environment (laughs) the right level of messed up stuff and we don't tear anything down so Michigan's the perfect place
0: (laughs) well yeah and I mean with it being Detroit you know every passionate, you know, if you've ever met a Red Wings fan, obviously you know how passionate (laughs) they are. But then you can, like you said, too, emotionally wise, you know, you think about it's in the news all the time about how all the big plants and stuff that were in Detroit, like the car dealership or the car manufacturers and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that have shut down, that all these people have lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, there's going to be a lot of pent up charged emotion that's going to be in that town, too. Right.
1: I think unconsciously, too, that's probably why Jessica and I connect so intensely with the Victorian era, because if you look at the boom of Victorian spiritualism, which I'm very amused by, and Jessica Mm we both are, um, that all was so prevalent and kind of the cult of that, you know, happened at the right time because of the Industrial Revolution. Working conditions were awful. It, things were bleak people, people were, were dying all over the place everyone was dropping dead from random diseases which is i mean people are dying of measles right now have you seen that and around us too there's a measles outbreak in detroit right now so we're seeing a lot of parallels and so it's kind of interesting i feel like a hundred years later jessica and i are spending a lot of time digging all these things up i think we're supposed to learn from them i think that's the bigger picture so we're we're drudging up the history so we can share it and learn from it and do our part to help heal the the
0: past, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, so you're talking a little bit about the old asylum and stuff that you had there. Um, what would you, and we can do each of you, what What was your favorite place that you've investigated?
1: You go first. Ooh. Got to think about that for a second. That's it's a so hard. They're best, all special yeah. in their own way. <laughs> what Absolutely. do you think? <laughs>
2: um, I think the Memphis Cemetery. Yeah is at the top of the list for me. Um, The Memphis Cemetery is kind of like a local urban legend around here. And it was one of the places that I went and kind of investigated with when I was um, back in high school. And when I went back in high school, it was really fun and unique because I ran into a group of like professional ghost hunters that had tools and equipment and we kind of followed them around as like just like dumb, young, naive kids and then when we went back to the Memphis Cemetery and we were the professional investigators with our equipment, a group of kids showed up and, and joined us, came along for the ride just out of pure coincidence. But um, that case is really interesting because the whole like legend and lore of the Witch's Ball, which is a um, spear grave marker for a family plot and um, they have all these rumors where the ball will move or if you look really closely to it and you put your hand on it you'll see the reflections of souls lost in the cemetery wandering around well basically it's it's a granite ball, and granite's a natural material. And when the temperature changes, it will expand and contract a little bit, causing it to shift. and but it's not so ghosts. It's not, not <laughs> ghost. And there's, like, you know, like, it's granite. So your eyes will matrix, and you'll start to see faces. And at the same time, it's polished. So it is incredibly reflective. And it's like this giant sphere mirror, and you can see the whole cemetery reflected into the Witch's Ball. But what was really interesting about it, though, is there was, like, another um, less popular, like, legend that there was this other area, and there was this spirit named Brian, and when we went over there, we were just kind of like, well, the Witch's Ball is just, we like to call it just bunk. Yeah, we didn't Instead think that. Yeah. we just say <laughs> bunk. Um, so it was just bunk, and um, we go over to uh, Brian's grave, and that's where we caught a really phenomenal EVP And at the time, Hillary turns around and she's like, did you just say something to me? Like somebody like said her name or something. She thought someone said her name and none of us did. But um, in the recording, you hear a voice say it's her at the same time that Hillary reacts to hearing somebody talk about her so um it was really interesting that was really fascinating because we went into it expecting like nothing is going to happen this is just going to be like a boring night but it'll be fun to get some girls out there and um you know like let's just go investigate it and then we end up catching a really phenomenal evp evp piece (laughs) um that is just absolutely fascinating so sure It's happened to us a couple times now,
1: and to kind of segue into, like, what my favorite one is, too, we go to these, like, like legend tipping, I guess we'd call it, right? So we go, and we're like, all right, well, let's just check out this local legend and expect nothing to happen. Like, we go, and we expect to, like, find lights. Like, so my you know, just because, maybe it's because it's most fresh in my mind. My favorite one so far, there's this, it's called the Denton Road Blue Lady, or the Denton Demon, and so... It's, there's this bridge It used to be a historical bridge. This is out in Canton where we'll be doing a library presentation to total plug there um, in October. But so there's this bridge that used to be one of those, like in Beetlejuice, you know, that bridge they crashed their car into, same deal, but they tore it down. And apparently there was this domestic violence situation. We don't know if this is true yet. So just, disclaimer here not 100 percent sure we're going to try and back it up but more to come so there's this domestic violence situation where a woman with a baby was supposedly killed like in the late late 1800s by her husband under this bridge because he was chasing her and he found her because the lantern she was holding a light from that gave her away so the legend is you can go at night and you can see a light or you hear a baby crying or you see this apparition of this woman who was this woman killed under this bridge so again we went out there just assuming it's a goofy thing they bring like for you know fraternity initiation people are out there and there's like kids who will hide and hide lantern lights and things like that so we expected to go and find nothing and then it's still not 100 percent what happened but we have this another very strange evp where it sounds like somebody's like speaking in slowed speech and it says what are they trying to see over there and like there was no one around there were cars passing on the bridge which muddies it up a bit but we were all there and we know that no one was speaking there was no one around it was freezing cold no one had their window open and like so that was kind of cool but I had so much fun under that bridge Mm -hmm. like I know everyone was scared and the other like I think it's funny when I'm just wired backwards (laughs) it's a problem when other people are scared I think it's funny it is funny but I don't make fun of them whatever so we had there was um, a friend we brought with us was standing on the bridge and all of us had gone underneath there's a pedestrian bridge, I'm sorry, next to the site of where the old bridge was, and a concrete replacement has been put up with a road on top of it. So all of us were under the bridge, and our friend was on top of the pedestrian bridge, and she said she heard, like, footsteps running on the bridge and said, guys, did, did you, was that you guys or whatever? And we were like, no. And then what happened next was something started to, like, harass her sort of and this was the first time we'd ever been any place where i felt like something didn't want us there and that's why it's my favorite just because that's never happened to us before so we'll have a video about this coming out soon we're working on it we have a few things to try and back up and validate before we get too excited but that'll be our next big investigation video on our youtube channel
0: that'll be interesting i'll look i'll look forward to you'll have to let me know when it comes out because i want to watch that (laughs) absolutely yes So I know we'll go a little bit off task here, a little bit, Jessica. Um, You guys are telling me that you like to go down rabbit holes, so I'm going to open up the door for you here. Um, (laughs) You went down to Florida and you saw the doll. Yes. Tell me about it.
2: Um, So how they have it set up, at least at the time, and this was about – three four years no it would have been four or five years ago um that I went and um it's at the uh East Fort Mortello um which is in Key West in Florida it is kind of difficult to get to you think of Key West and you think that it's quite small but we almost missed our cruise ship because I wanted to go see Robert the (laughs) Gulf so little fun fact it is much farther away than you would anticipate and how they had it set up was really interesting so you walk in and, um, and you, you pay or whatever, and you go and you're exploring this really awesome old historic fort. But there's this one room that's like you turn a corner, and there's there's Robert the doll and his beautiful showcase, and the lights are beaming on him like he's a godsend from, from above. <laughs> and I love Robert the doll. I love haunted dolls. They're an obsession of mine, so I'm a huge fan. And he's just lit, like all angelic and beautiful. And, like, you instantly... <laughs> go to take a picture like you just immediately like your are human social media modern 2018 instinct like well this how long 2015 instinct you just whip out your phone to take that picture and then like after you snap that photo then you're like ah shoot like you're like oh and here's all the signs like you make, didn't ask make sure you ask him first Or you're gonna be cursed and there's all these letters from people that are like asking for his forgiveness. Um, and just like saying like, you know, like, like, oh, my house burned down or I like lost my job or my wife divorced me. Like all these horrible things that happen to people after they just turned this corner and snapped that photo. But it was just how he had it set up, like really got me though, because like you immediately, you come around this corner, it's just beautiful, picture perfect, ready to go. You just <laughs> immediately want to whip your phone out. So um so it was really cool though and so my, it's kind of
0: kind of a dirty
2: trick. It is, yeah. I kind <laughs> of felt that way. And um my, my friend who went with me, she took a picture too, but she um she wrote a letter and she sent it in and then so her letters hung up on those walls now. But um I don't know if it was just because Robert understood that I liked him and I thought he was cool that he was nice to me, knock on wood. Uh but uh I haven't needed to Write a letter or You apology. didn't ask permission? I didn't. I snapped, I took a picture the second I saw him. I didn't know this.
1: Yeah. This is, like, breaking news. Breaking news.
2: <laughs> that's like I did today. not ask permission. But, like, they have, they <laughs> have they little them? tiny mini Robert the Doll replicas that they sell for, like, $30. And, like, they wow. hook, line, and sinkered me right on into that. <laughs> and it comes with a little rocking chair and his little scary, like, his little scary lion is scarier than Robert. That little thing is, that, that's what gets me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's creepy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little creepy thing. He comes with that. So, like, I, I have my Robert the doll doll, and I bought, like, a postcard that said Robert did it. and So I'm not sure if he just, like, knew that him and I were, like, totally connected, and, like, I get him. And I understand him on that level, and that's why he's nice to me. I don't know. But I didn't ask for his permission. So now it's going to turn around and bite me in the butt and go, like, lose my job tomorrow or get into a car accident or something. But <laughs> All
0: right. Well, <laughs> just just so we put what? it out there, it's not my fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, I, we're not wired right. See, this we're, there's something yeah. off about <laughs> us.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, steering us back out of our rabbit hole and back onto, back onto task a little bit, sure. talking more about your guys' investigations that you do, What's would you say is your favorite piece of equipment that you use?
1: Hmm. I am going to say I really like – we have a very – like high definition sony voice recorder and there's two reasons why it's my favorite number one it's super accessible you can walk in any best buy and get it right now and you get crystal clear audio it's got different settings on it too so you can have like the round room kind of whatever capturing or like single like more directional whatever and we have gotten the coolest stuff jessica and i Mm -hmm. both have this recorder and both those evp incidents that were we were talking about happened with that piece of equipment and that's not from like the ghost hunter stores and it didn't cost six hundred dollars <laughs> you can go buy it right now if it was like 40 something yes yeah, 40 bucks so that that's my favorite and it, it's yeah that's yeah. great
2: i think my personal favorite is the k2 just because i'm so fascinated with how it works and um the k2 is also a really good piece of equipment and i know it's like these are like both like basic things but You don't need to go and spend a fortune to do what we do. We still do sometimes, though. We We fall into those traps as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Been there, done um, that. (laughs) (laughs) We're not innocent. (laughs) But the K2 is a really good piece to just get a basic standard reading of the room because there's so many things that could factor into it. Um, Like we've noticed that like, um, like fish tanks, like a small aquarium that you might have like at your headboard, that... Is really high in the electromagnetic fields that it's emitting, which you and, may not think about because those are in kids' exactly. rooms all the time, and that's not healthy to be around. And you're sleeping around that. So, and when those levels are that high, you feel uncomfortable, you feel uneasy, um, you're tired, you're drained, you might have headaches, you might hallucinate. Um, so it's really an interesting piece of equipment to just kind of get a basic standard reading of the room first to see if there's any reason, like logical explanation that like is like. It's, it's a health issue at that point. But then at the same time, the way that the spirits are able to control it and manipulate it is just really fascinating. Right. You sit there and you have a full-blown conversation with the way that that, that meter lights up. Now, um, we did spend a little bit extra to get the um, K2 that makes a noise when it lights up. And it kind of just like, I don't know, it's like a slight buzz.
1: It's it's an audible click, so rather than it just flashing the light, whatever, some people have that version, which is good for stealth investigating if you're going to sneak it in like an antique store, by the way, just saying. But
2: um, I think it's... (laughs) Not that we haven't done that, no, no, of course not. No, we would never. <laughs> but I think it was worth the extra investment because with the regular K two that doesn't make the clicking, you have to sit there and put your full blown all of your eyes and you have to concentrate on just that that piece of equipment. You can't take your eyes off of it. But with ours, you can kinda like look away for a second and like you'll you'll notice if it's doing something. So it will at least like bring your attention back to it. So um and it wasn't that much extra, but me personally, I think it was worth the extra money to get the one that makes the slight clicking noise when when it's active.
0: Sure. Now, Hillary, you mentioned a while ago now earlier on that um you were saying that you had one of your family members old spirit boards.
1: Yes. Yes, so I do not have the the planchette, and it's in pretty rough shape. Because here's the funny bit about it: it's been for the I think I don't even know how many times it's been legitimately used as a talking board because it's been used as a table for the majority of its lifetime. So we I rescued it from when we cleaned out my grandmother's house. It was being used as a sewing table, and I think my, both my mom and my aunt said it had been there for I don't know longer than probably I've been alive. So it it came home to my house, and I had all I'm like oh I'm gonna clean it up and display it and whatever, and then it ended up being like a a side table in my living room for the last year so we it's just comfortable that's my joke it's comfortable being like that it's comfortable as a table and so we just try like when we're moving cups around to be very conscious you know you wouldn't (laughs) want (laughs) to (laughs) like but I just took it off now we just redid my living room and I'm going to clean it up and now it'll be a display piece
0: (laughs) that that would be exactly my luck I'd be sitting there trying to have a cup of coffee in the morning and I'd be communicating with something (laughs)
1: In my house, everything's possible, so you never know.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, do either of you have any tips or tricks that kind of work good for you that you'd want to share with anybody else that's listening that does investigations that, you know, really kind of helps get a good response or a good reaction?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for and I think we would both agree on this. I think that a huge reason why we're so successful is when we're sitting down to attempt communication, we speak to whatever would be sitting with us like a tangible person. So it's just like we're sitting down with anybody we'd be interviewing or speaking to. We treat them with respect. We're kind. We don't, you know, and, and we we joke around a lot too. So I think the second bit of that is like, to have fun with it and be open and kind of jokey and friendly because we get so much more back, I guess, with setting out the honey. You more flies with honey. It's kind of literal in this sense.
2: And I think it's important to have a, a good mindset too when you're walking into a place. Um, you have to be really centered and comfortable as yourself and being comfortable and open as to what you're about to put yourself through. And I think it's just a really important thing to – Go into a place being okay with anything that you're about to experience, but also being confident and um, being strong in that sense, because I personally have never felt anything malicious. Nothing has ever tried anything malicious against either of us. And that's not to say that it can't happen down the road, but I think the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we treat them with respect, um, they end up giving us respect back.
0: Sure. And I mean, that's the perfect way to be because it's true. You do have to talk to whatever you're there with like they're a person because they they were a person. Right. Um, There's just a
1: the body anymore. That's the only difference, I guess. Most of the time.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How we look at it, at least.
0: <laughs> exactly. OK, well, you guys are on Facebook. You're on Instagram. You have your website and then you also have a YouTube channel, correct? Yeah.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: Okay, and then what, what's some of the stuff that they should look for on your YouTube channel? I mean, what do you usually put on there?
1: So we, we, it's been kind of an eclectic mix lately, to be totally honest. So we, um, we have a couple, like, um, longer investigations. So kind of like our Haunted Michigan series, I would kind of equate it to. So we have, um, the Memphis Cemetery investigations on there. It's a full video. That was one of the first things we ever did. Then we've got, we did this whole residential investigation in Harrison Township. That's a playlist you can access. And there's like three and a half videos in that. Those are pretty cool. Then we also have, too, you can access all of our little, like, our EVP clips and the, um, different, like, visual anomalies. So we've been kind of starting to upload those and and, um, have those available for people to kind of go through all at once. So then we also have a few other little different random videos. There's a couple how-to type things and then um, some spirit box sessions. I've been doing a lot of um, kind of portal-ish device that I've created type session. So um, different experiments with that. So we do kind of we, we like to try this thing where we do a subtitled version and an unsubtitled version. I always like to kind of add the disclaimer that whatever I subtitle is just what I'm hearing. I'm not claiming that this is true. This is my opinion. But I also offer an unsubtitled version too. So people who like to listen to it without any, you know, um, leading subtitles or captions or opinions or anything like that can kind of check it out too. So if you like doing that, definitely check out our channel. There's a lot of fun to be had over there
0: <laughs> all right i you you hit a keyword and i have to bring you back onto it yeah you said something about a portal experiment
1: Mm-hmm. here's where we get in weeds what go ahead
0: all right bring bring them on
1: <laughs> so i um this is this is funny it's i you know you know we all as investigators know this is a highly controversial device right oh absolutely and so right so I think it's been about – it's almost been two years because it was right before Jessica and I got together that I decided what I wanted to do was, at first, very quietly put together my own version and go through everything everyone else was using and see how it worked, where the sources are from, how it's made, what I can do with it, and then form an opinion based on that. I, you know, we, we – Like to come from a place of like even false positives we learn from. So I don't want to be afraid of making mistakes because we might like miss out on something. But it's very important at the same time to be super critical. And, you know, we're we're kind of going for like the peer review kind of thing. So back to the, the portal. Right. So I use that. It's it's so many people have different configurations of what's essentially the same device or at least operating on the same principles. So I like to give credit, I suppose, where credit is due to maybe that device that was kind of bringing this concept or these techniques to the forefront of our attention, right? But I have kept ours naked, as I like to call People think that's really funny. So like I didn't paint it. I didn't add any, you know, any human, whatever touch points or anything like that to it. And it's been an evolving thing. I've tested different audio sources and at pretty much every video I've used, I don't know, a couple different audio sources. And what I've started doing, too, is flipping through in in like a single session, several audio sources to see if we're getting, you know, the same like words Mm -hmm. or confirming the same details or for having the same conversation. And, you know, while I think there's there's a definite learning curve of disappointment, I'm not going to make any sweeping statements, but it, it looks like it works one way and it works another. But there's still a lot of valuable Stuff to be had or stuff to experiment with. And it does work sometimes. I think it's just because spirits find a way with everything. Even things that I've used, I thought were going to be totally goofy, end up like working once or twice. And I'm like, okay, jury's out. Maybe it's not reliable. We aren't going to be like, this is hard scientific proof that ghosts exist, which isn't really our jam anyway. But there's some room. Oh God, how do I say this? There's room for tampering in anything because it's so DIY. But that being said, that doesn't mean that everyone is tampering with their stuff. If that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I was It's really interesting. I like the way you answered it. So getting back out of the weeds again. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't need to have everybody posting about, you know, Jessica and Hillary's, you know, naked portal machine. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> You, you were telling me a little bit before we got started about coming up here in October. I know it's a little ways off, but in October, you're, you're working with the libraries to do a Haunted Michigan presentation.
1: Yeah, so we are going to be presenting at the Canton Public Library, which is um, a little southwest of uh, where we're located in Metro Detroit, but I think it's still technically Metro Detroit, and we have some great relationships over there and with our local libraries, too. So what we're doing is we're going to be kind of presenting our experiences. Um, we'll be sharing different EVPs and stories from investigations that we've done around Michigan, and what we're doing right now in preparation for that, we've been um going out to Canton and exploring some of their urban legends and supposedly haunted places and kind of like bunking and confirming what we can and, you know, coming up with some, some cool experiences to share with, um, with them at the library there so they usually get a good turnout so I'm excited about that and from there we're kind of hoping to um launch that outward and um collaborate with some more libraries we've been building some great relationships with the St. Clair Shore Public Library or St. Clair Shores Public Library excuse me (laughs) they have a tremendous local history section so maybe we can help them boost that but so that's what's coming up for us in October as far as public events yeah that's
0: it sounds really cool I mean I I I wish there was something a little bit more local for me to be able to you know, get involved with something like that. Um, I'll definitely make sure to get posts or links put up for your guys' Facebook, Instagram, website, YouTube. And then um, let me know when you guys get your stuff posted about that. I'll make sure to share it on my stuff as well. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, as we're kind of wrapping up here, is there anything else you kind of want to throw out there or, you know, give a little shout out to?
1: Well, I would like to say again, too, since we're speaking to fellow investigators here and this is like our tribe, we're, We're communicating with you, too. I, You know, we've been having conversations with other investigators. It's been so much fun, too, about, you know, like, celebrating the moments where we can debunk our own evidence, too. So back to that, like, false positives or false flags. Even when we get too excited, it's okay. There's fun and, like, you know, reward in admitting that you made a mistake, too, and sharing that, you know, in kind of, like, the peer community. So, like, just – I just – Come on, man, let's not be afraid to make mistakes. That's all I wanna yeah. say. <laughs> There's learning for all of us. It's you know, we have we have such tremendous it's such a time to be alive, such an opportunity with social media here, as far as, you know, the the way we're able to collaborate and share information. And we, you know, these answers we're all looking for, we, you know, it's so much closer if we're all using our minds together, you know, to try and accomplish the same goal. So
2: Absolutely. I love
1: the pair unity, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and we were, um, we were actually talking, I believe this was before we even got on the call with you earlier today about how, it's nice to see other paranormal groups that are nice and supporting and encouraging yeah. and friendly. But and it's just kind of like a Debbie Downer when some groups are just like really like rude. It doesn't happen often, but they still exist. But like we're all after the same thing. We all have the same goals. We all have the same mindsets. Like we should be all connected and we should, and we should be united really. Yeah. And we're going to be stronger in numbers. And it kind of brings us back to like, we want this to be a normalized thing. We want to make this a comfortable topic to talk about. And it's important for us to approach it and for us to share information with uh, the normies, if you will, that are not actively involved um, with this weirdness that we are constantly living in. But um, it's important for us to present it in, in such a way as well um, that makes it more comfortable and more approachable and more friendly and Um, and I don't, I don't know. I just feel like it's just a nicer thing and the world's a better place. It's just a nice, positive, friendly person. We want to be your friend. (laughs) friend. (laughs)
1: That's the token.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Nothing, nothing's more frustrating than when you're out there trying to work with different teams and then you come across the ones that it's like, all they want to do is be famous or, you know, have their five minutes on TV rather than actually work together to try and, you know, get some answers
1: yeah mm-hmm. so we're all all for one one frog, guys
0: yeah. <laughs> well Jessica Hillary I it's been an absolute blast having you on the show so we did pretty good s- staying on <laughs> to staying on task a lot better than I kind of thought we were going to for a little bit there <laughs> oh um, that's
1: what I thought
0: <laughs> <laughs> so once again I appreciate you being on the show and we'll talk to you soon thank, thank you so you. much yep good night good night Thanks again to Hillary Stone and Jessica Crutell from Mystic Mittens Paranormal Group for being our guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes or whatever directory you listen to us on. It means a lot to us, and we want to hear your feedback to help make our show a little bit better. My name is Brandon, and you've been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together, the Para Unity Podcast.